Land. This is your host, David Weiss, for another episode of Psych and Sales. And as usual, I'm joined by, by my beautiful co-host, Dr. Aaron Weiss. You want to say hi, Annie? Hi, everyone. And we've got a special guest today. Um, we've got Ron Hubscher. Ron has written uh, the seven immutable laws to sales negotiation called Closing Time. And Ron actually taught me uh, indirectly through his book and, and later conversations in life um, how to negotiate in sales. So wanted to have him as a guest on the show. And Ron, uh, welcome. Well, I'm so grateful to be invited onto your podcast. You both are wonderful. So thank you so very much. I'm really honored. And, and folks, this is, this is a treat. Um, I, I, I honestly feel like from a mental health as well as a training perspective in sales, understanding negotiation, understanding where your buyer is coming from, understanding your own emotions within the uh, sales process is so important. And it is one of the most undertaught things out there. We're all taught sales process. We're all taught discovery. We're all taught so much stuff. We don't get a lot of training on negotiation. So real treat to have Ron join us. Uh, thank you, sir. Thank you. So um, tell us, uh, tell us about you. Tell us about your book. Why'd you write it? Um, give us, give us the story. Yeah. Oh, just about me. I'm Ron Hubscher. I run a company called the Sales Optimization Group, and we help companies accelerate sales by putting simple best practices into place. And I think um, um, what, what's really interesting is everyone tries to be smarter than the next folk. And we just try to make something that's simple and easy that salespeople can use. Uh, so adaptability and ease of use around key critical things is uh, what we try and focus on. Um, so that's how we, uh, that's how what we try and do as a business. And uh, the way we got into negotiation, one of our clients said, hey, Ron, we really don't negotiate well. GoFund's a good, a good, a good, GoFund's a good negotiation vendor. And if someone said, hey, find a good sales training vendor, there's lots of them out there, right? You know, do you want question-based selling skills? Do you want opportunity management? There's a bunch of names, you know, customize a little bit and it'll be really great for you. And what we found is when it came to negotiation, there were some people who specialized in uh, conflict resolution. So how do two parties at war come to peace or has a labor union negotiate with a corporation? And the key thing there is both parties have to deal with each other. And if you don't successfully come to uh, an agreement, bad stuff is going to happen. So in the case of the labor union, they can go out on strike. And in the case of the, um, the corporation, they can shut down the factory. Well, that's a very different kind of negotiation than a business-to-business sales negotiation where you want to win the deal, command a price premium, and create a great long-term customer. And the customer or the prospect has the option of staying with the status quo or picking one of two or three other qualified vendors. And other folks specialize in sort of spot transactional negotiation. How do I beat a street vendor at 15 bucks? You know, there's no sales process up front and there's no legacy on the back end. And so we said, hey, how would you close? How would you, you know, we took a fresh negotiation approach to how would you close a business to business sales negotiation different from those other two types of negotiation? And we came up with a really simple seven step process. That's awesome, man. And you know how much I'm a fan of a process. So your, your book fell right into my <laughs> wheelhouse. Um, so, so tell us a little bit about it. Like what, I don't know if you can share the seven immutable laws or if you can share some you know, bits and pieces uh, uh, about the book itself. But, you know, when a salesperson is going into negotiation, what are some main things they should think about? Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, anyone's welcome to download our book from our website, SalesOG. 
Uh, so it's sales optimization group or sales original gangster, whichever you prefer. Either way, I like the second. <laughs> I feel better about myself when I say sales original gangster. It gives me like a new image. Uh, rather than being just a, a regular old guy, I feel like I have some status now. Um, <laughs> so uh, first of all, there's two things you really need to negotiate well. The first is you need to put a superlative sales effort in. So there's no magic words or abracadabra that I can tell you today that'll make up for a poor sales effort. A strong sales effort is absolutely critical to negotiate well. Now, once you create a strong sales uh, process, that creates potential to negotiate well. If you combine it with a strong negotiation plan, you'll capitalize on that potential. If you have a weaker non-existent plan, you'll squander that potential. So, you know, two, two thoughts, strong negotiation plan, a strong sales process, strong negotiation plan, success, strong negotiation, strong sales process, weak negotiation plan, not so successful, um, but there's nothing you'll learn from this podcast today that'll make up for a poor sales effort. So really putting that, you can't shortcut the sales process. And our first law is you have to be the buyer's number one choice. And we talk about that companies don't buy price, they buy risk. And if in your sales process, you can show you the least risky solution and you've earned the right to command a price premium. And risk comes in many forms. We like to think about it in two forms, business risk and personal risk. And you want to, as a salesperson, understand what's that business risk and more importantly, what's that personal risk to the person you're selling to and how you can minimize those risks. And what I think is actually really interesting, um, Dave, we were talking about this before, like let's say you're buying um, accounting software, whether you buy Oracle, IBM, SAP, you know, they're all going to work. Right, they're all going to do the job. Maybe feature 173 is better for one, or feature 197 is better for the other. But what it really comes down to how's this going to work in my office, in my business, and how I'm going to make sure this is going to be successfully adopted. And that's the question. In, in any product, being can become commoditized um, if you let it. Right. Um, so what you need to do is figure out what is that risk that person's profile on the other end. What's their business risk and what's their personal risk, and how can you help minimize those, both those risks. That's awesome. And, and I, I can, I can absolutely see that you, it, it's a reason why we spend so much time sharing customer stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a reason why we, we try and build business cases, try why we do really good discovery and then align um, a, a solution to the problems we uncover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what are some ways that folks can, um, can figure out maybe where they stand on the risk profile, where, what a customer is thinking as far as that goes. Is there any, any specific questions or, or, or things that you, you share to help people do that? Yeah. So I, I would say there's a couple of things in discovery. First of all, you always want to talk about what are you looking for in an ideal provider? What can we make, what can we do to make sure this is a perfectly successful implementation for you? And what would be sort of an ultimate, you know, what would an ultimate solution look like to you? Or if you could, if you could tell us what would success look like, right? And let them paint that vision and then sort of, co-develop a roadmap on, oh, success means 100% adoption. You know, what are the key metrics that you're going to use? What are the financial metrics? What are the implementation metrics? What are all the ways that you're going to be measured? And David, David and Aaron, you know, what I find is really interesting um, is uh, when you're able to develop that relationship with the customer, they become a lot more comfortable. They become more intimate with you, right? And I always look at um, people will tell you what their business problem they're trying to accomplish. We need an accounting package or we need to buy disk drives or whatever we need to do. But when you can get to the next level, understanding how is this going to help you and how is this going to benefit you? And I'll, I'll give you a great example. We do work with a hard disk drive manufacturer. It's, it's on our website. Um, uh, and a hard disk can be one of the most commoditized product in the world if you let it. So, you know, what's the form factor? You know, you need a three and a half inch disk drive and how many gigs of data, right? So those are the only two things that matter if you let it. So uh, after taking our training, one of, their, one of their really super seasoned executives, you know, someone's been selling about 25, 30 years, you know, not an experienced seller said, you know, I'm not going back to that first law, which is the most important law and figuring out, you know, how we lower their risk. 
And um, it's actually interesting because a disk drive is an amazing piece of technology. Uh, they say it's like driving a supersonic aircraft one floor off the ground over rocky terrain. But yet it goes for less than a pair of Nikes, right? <laughs> so um, what he did is what they used to do is uh, when they're beginning, uh, he was with the company about 30 years. He said, you know, when we were first selling, I'd always take the disk drive out and break it down to show people the complexity of the technology. Then we'd always take them out to a plant tour, like in Thailand, where most of the plants are. So people could see all the great stuff that goes on beyond it. And then he started putting our principles to, to work. So he said, okay, I got to go back to our customer and, uh, you know, show them what a disk drive is comprised of. Then he took them out to, to Thailand to take them on a tour. And of course, you know, when someone comes on a plant tour and for almost any manufacturer, a plant tour will give you a great competitive advantage because you get, spent, get to spend time with that person. They get to uh, see how the, the factory is done. He said, hey, you know, what do we need to do to be to have like the most successful relationship? Because, well, they were selling to a gaming, a gaming manufacturer. So think about, you know, uh, you know, a commons kid game that they play uh, video with. Um, it has a hard disk drive in there and they need a little more robust disk drive because the kids bang them around. And that's actually really fairly easy to do. You just put a different inert gas that goes in above the disk drive. Uh, and he goes, what's really most important is I need to never run out of disk drives because if I run out of disk drives, I can never hit my numbers. Um, and so what this salesperson said, I'll tell you what we can do. We can develop a little more robust disk drive. But what we'll do is we'll set up um, safety stock around all your manufacturing facilities. And what happened was about five years ago, there was a huge flood in Thailand and you couldn't get disk drives. So they said, we'll make sure that you never run out of disk drives. And in the disk drive business, uh, it's usually tri-source, like in software or a lot of fields, it's winner take all. In, um, uh, in the disk drive world, it's, it's usually du uh, dual source or tri-source. So winner gets 75%, second place gets 18%, uh, third place gets five or 17, 7%, you know, some low number. So we went from second place position to first place position. And that was worth about over $660 million. And in that particular case, they had about a third um, uh, gross margin. So it was about $220 million of gross margin. And if you uh, throw a price EBITDA ratio of 10 on it, created $2 billion of market valuation just on that one deal. And again, think about hard to strive, commoditized if you let it. But the difference is what's the risk profile? Um, so anything that you sell in any mature market, like we were talking earlier, you know, if you're at a company where the future is so different, like square wheels versus round wheels, beyond that, but it's not going to last like that forever. You know, over time, mature markets become mature very quickly and becomes all about risk mitigation. I love that. And to me, that's he, the person thought outside the box. He understood mm -hmm. what the real concern was. Mm -hmm. And it's like, look, apples to apples. We're, we're exactly the same here. Everything, exactly the same. But this is the real problem. The real problem yes. is if you run out, here's what happens. So let's mm -hmm. solve the real problem and everything else be the same. And if no one else solves for the real problem, we win. Brilliant, David. Absolutely, man. Brilliant. A, a great uh, I'm repeating back what you said. I, I love <laughs> that idea. Um, so I, I think that's great. It's, it's really solving what, and understanding and seeking to understand the core issue and what the risk profile is and what they're really concerned with. Yeah. So go ahead. I'm go sorry. Ahead. Oh, and it's really interesting because a lot of software, you know, SaaS companies today, um, what they're differentiating around is, or they should be differentiated, sort of white glove service or making sure the implementation is going to work or high adoptability. Like that is the key thing. Uh, you know, if people are sort of selling at the margins of our feature does this or feature does that, that's great while that feature exists. But, you know, the, the feature advantage of a, of a SaaS product, you know, I don't know what the shelf life is, but it's very small. Right. You know, is it three weeks, six weeks, six months? Certainly not a year. Right. Everyone catches up super quickly. So you pro and, and again, no different from any other product category. Your product differentiation goes to zero. Right. It's your risk mitigation that separates you apart. And uh, actually, we're doing training for a company 
And uh, this person has said something that I really loved. He goes, it's not the product, it's about the we. What do we do, right, to solve your problem as opposed to the product uh, solving your problem? I love it. That's really good. So mind of the buyer. Yeah. De-risk. Understand the risk. Understand the risk of failure. Understand the personal professional wins. All about the risk. Yes. Mind of, let's, let's shift gears. Mind of the seller. So when right. a seller is going into a negotiation, how do, they, how do they best prepare? What do you think they're thinking and feeling? How do we help them with some of those things? Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of things. Like even among the most seasoned professionals, I know people saw in 20, 30 years, the idea of going into negotiation, especially procurements involved, uh, can raise anywhere from, you know, mild discomfort all the way to panic, right? So there's a, a huge psychological issue. And um, you want to you wanna minimize that psychology. And we were talking earlier, and it's kind of funny, I'm a, I'm a former pole vaulter, and I just started getting back into it after a 35-year layoff. And uh, one of the things about pole vaulting, uh, there, there's a lot of different issues. It's, it's a huge puzzle. But you want to get your pole to vertical, Right. If you don't get your pole to vertical, you know, if you don't get it to 90 degrees, bad stuff's going to happen. Like at 90 degrees, hopefully you'll clear the height, but you'll land in that nice, soft, cushiony stuff. Um, if you can't get it to 90 degrees, um, a lot of bad choices happen. You're hanging out, you know, 10, 15 feet in the air and you're coming back to planet Earth without that nice, soft foam. So you just have a series of bad choices. And the thing about vaulting is that uh, a 3 percent reduction in confidence does not lead to or 3% reduction, uh, 3% reduction in performance. It leads to, you know, a 50% reduction in performance or much worse, landing back on the runway, right, and hurting yourself. Uh, and then it also becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Once you fall backwards, you're not so comfortable running down the runway again. And, and the same is true of negotiation. Um, so you want to be prepared with negotiation. And there's, there's um, two things, and it's really a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you always want to be prepared. Right, and you want to have a simple negotiation plan. We have a simple seven-step negotiation plan that's been proven effective, and you want to practice that plan, and it becomes a self-healing cycle because once you negotiate effectively, you have more confidence, and then you keep negotiating with more confidence, and you know you you improve the effectiveness. So it becomes this complete self-healing loop, if that makes sense. Yeah, it can spiral um, in either direction, down or, or back up again. Yes, beautiful, Aaron. It's, it's it's either you know a positive spiral or a downward spiral. You know, and, and then you want to create that virtuous spiral up. Um, so it's, it's psychological and uh, it's preparation. So we have a simple seven-step quick sheet um, that's been proven effective work worldwide. So once you fill that out and you know um, what you're going to do and what you're going to say, and part of what you want to do, especially in this age of COVID-19, now in COVID-19, you know, ordinarily in any world, um, negotiation is going to be, it could be difficult. Now think about the person on that other end uh, they may have an elderly parent or they may have two young kids at home, right? Um, so um, maybe, more, maybe more stressed than ordinarily. So you want to understand what that stress level is. One, understand that stress level. Um, be mindful of it and, you know, give people the benefit of the doubt and uh, be more gentle on people. And also it really makes it um, even more important to lower their risk. So it's like, you know, David, you know, you mentioned that, you know, your time is limited. Uh, you know, you've got a lot going on. You got a you know special job. You have a fabulous family. Uh, you have parents that you're taking care of. Your time is limited. Uh, by using our system, we can ensure that this is going to be a great career, not limiting move, but a career enhancing move, and it's going to take minimal amount of your time uh, and free you up to do to do other things. Um, so, in the age of COVID, you want to be more gentle on people, and part of that is in our plan. It's okay when they when they ask us for things, how are we going to politely say no and refocus back on value? Right. What are those risk 
factors that we're going to talk about today that, that separates us, not our features. But, you know, David, you mentioned, uh, you know, adoption is absolutely critical. We have a white glove service that's going to take your end users through through training, you know, unlimited amount of training. We have your admins, you know, who are going to be all trained. Uh, and by the way, we work with companies, you know, just like yours. Let me give you the references of people who are just like you uh, who are worrying about that. And now they're now they're happier. These career enhancing moves and freedom time for them to take care of their family uh, and uh, move ahead. So, um, yeah, so I hear you kind of saying a few things here, Ron, and, and beyond just the process piece, which is obviously really important, you have the confidence piece that, mm -hmm. you know, even if you're well prepared, if you go in and, and you don't have a lot of confidence in your ability to help solve their problem or to present your product, then you you may kind of fall flat and, and not really address their concerns. And, and then I also heard kind of an empathy piece, what I would call an empathy piece, understanding where the buyer's really coming from, what their experience is, and mm -hmm. um, don't just assume, but really try and get where they're coming from, make sure you understand where they're coming from, and address that, not just have this kind of boilerplate thing that you tell everybody that um, might sound nice, but not really actually address what they need. Right, absolutely. And you know, you're so spot on with the empathy because that's absolutely critical. And as you do that great discovery as part of your sales process, you know, it's really understanding that person. And, you, you know, it might be someone who has an elderly parent, you know, who you're really worried about COVID. They might be in the nursing home. Um, so their time limit, or they may be parenting, you know, two children at home or, you know, both of those, right? And, you know, trying to maintain their own life. So you really want to be sensitive to that and understand that and sort of tie that into how the solution could help, right? You know, hey, our, our, our solution is easier to understand, so it requires less time for users to understand them, right? Um, so therefore, they can take care of their children or whatever those things are. Um, but you really want to understand that. Uh, and uh, as, as before, I think I said, um, you know, you want to sell not the product, but it's the we, right? It's what are we going to do for you, right, to help you? And we understand, you know, times are tough. Uh, and that's why, we, you know, and, and that's why, you know, we believe we're the best choice for you. So what are your thoughts? I mean, um, you've got folks that are seasoned negotiators, been selling a long time. You've got folks that aren't. Um, what are your thoughts on, on tagging people in to help remove emotion from the deal? Because for, for me, uh, I, I feel like a lot of salespeople, when they're going into negotiation, it's, it's emotionally charged. Mm -hmm. uh, they need a sale for numbers, for their family. Um, they, the customer's asking for a lot of stuff and it's easy to get frustrated because yeah. they're, they're thinking, Hey, they're being difficult or whatnot. And really they're trying to reduce their enterprise risk. Salesperson's trying to get a deal. Um, you know, yeah. it, it's a, it's an emotionally charged situation. So what do you recommend to sellers to help them kind of maybe remove some of that? Yeah. And Dave, that, that was a really, uh, a really great question. Um, and you know, and especially in the age of COVID, you know, that was a really great point I didn't, I didn't bring up, but you know, as a seller, not only you juggling maybe parents and your kids and whatever, you know, unknown thing is going to happen. Uh, but your pipeline might be smaller. So you need to deal more, right? Um, I always like stepping back and I always think being prepared removes risk, right? It makes people feel more comfortable. And then you always start, I always start with every negotiation talking about why we want to do this together. And the question I like to ask is before entering a negotiation, I always ask if price wasn't an issue, uh, would we be your number one choice? And then why? Right. So I let the customer explain to me and then sell themselves on why they want to move forward. And that tells me all the reasons why I should have command a price premium. Um, and I always, you know, uh, through through empathy and ask him, hey, you know, if price was an issue, would be your one choice. Why? 
oh, well, because, you know, I love your implementation team. I like the white glove service. I have no time left. You know, my time is just, you know, I get 30 minutes to myself at night, maybe if I'm lucky, right? Uh, or whatever those things might be. Um, what's the value of solving this problem? And then, you know, you know you're going to be squeezed. Um, look forward to Even the best of times, you're going to be squeezed, right? Look forward to it. Know what's going to happen. And in fact, be disappointed if you're not squeezed, right? You know, they're just doing their job. They got to squeeze me. Let me be prepared to focus back in an empathetic way, you know, in a nice, I would say, polite, face-saving way to say no to somebody. So you said, you know, you could do something like, hey, you know, I know you want to do this thing. You know, you might be looking for 5%, 10% or whatever it might be, or you might want some extra feature or some other thing. You say, hey, look, you know, I know you really want that. Um, we may end up negotiating this contract another two months. Is, is that really worth something that you want to do? So I'm your rep and I'm your guy, I'll go back, but I'm not sure what people will want. And then you also want to be paired with a set of trade-ups. So rather than reducing price by $20,000, what if you could offer them $20,000 you know, $20, worth of additional training or $30,000 of tra- additional training or $40,000 worth of training or whatever it might be, right? So look, you know, David, you, you know, I understand you, you want $20,000 off. What if I can get you, you know, $20,000 worth of training? What would your, your thoughts be? And what do I want to get in return, right? You know, David, would you feel comfortable locking in our price, right, for a three-year contract, right? And you always want to think about that empathetic way of positioning things so it's a nice, polite, face-saving way for them to agree to the deal and feel good about it. And actually, it's really interesting because when it comes to renewals and um, all kinds of things, you know, everyone wants a long-term uh, contract. You know, as a seller, you want a long-term contract. As a buyer, you may or may not. Um, but one of the nice things of asking them is saying, hey, you know, the benefit of going with a three-year guarantee, you know, if you're doing a renewal, is the fact that we'll lock in the price contract. We'll, we'll lock in the price, you know, put it in an empathetic benefit to them as opposed to we need a three-year contract. It's sort of like, let me tell you the benefit. You know, we usually charge a CPI plus an innovation index. If I can, like, get that locked down to 2%, you know, increase, or if I can even take the increase off the table, would you want to lock in a, a three-year position? Uh, just sort of as an example. And again, with all that empathy that you really, really spoke well about, Darren and Aaron. Yeah, and I, and I like that. And it's and I think one of the, the, the misses that a lot of salespeople have is that buyer says, I want this. Salesperson says, well okay or no or if you if you if you sign by the end of the week we can give you that as opposed to hey hold on a second um this seems like it's important to you can you help me understand why yeah and it's and it's maybe they're trying to again reduce their risk but it's like okay well you said these things were most important so instead of lowering our cost if i give you twenty thousand dollars of additional training that's going to help user adoption and therefore, you're going to lower the risk profile over here. So that's actually the better solution. What do you think about that to offset some of those costs or, or drive a, additional value? Um, yeah. So I, I love the give to get, but just pausing for a second to say, why are you asking? Yeah, asking that good, beautiful question, David. Uh, and, and spoken from a true uh, sales guru, if I may call you that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> My LinkedIn profile is fantastic. <laughs> So, yeah, and asking those empathetic probing questions, you know, what, what, it sounds like it's important. You know, why is that important to you? Tell me more. What else? Right. And what I, what I always think about, um, you can always make a deal better by doing things like by adding things that continue to lower the buyer's risk rather than giving a dollar for dollar discount. Because the dollar for dollar discount doesn't reduce their business risk or their personal risk. It just reduces. Right. It just reduces the cost. Right. Maybe you can get them prior implementation QR. I'll tell you what, we'll do a health checkup at 30, 60, 90 days. Right. Uh, all these different things that you can do to position it and differentiate yourself 
uh, during the sales process, which are absolutely critical. And also, what do you want to get in return? Hey, look, if we can do a health checkup, you know, I'd love to also lock you into, you know, so you won't have any rate rate increases for the next three years. What are your thoughts? Right? Maybe you want a three-year deal or a five-year deal or a two-year deal or whatever it might be. Or maybe you want them to start earlier or maybe you want more, more sites, more people, more users, whatever it might be, uh, just sort of as an example. And what, oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. Go, go ahead. I love talking to you guys. You guys are wonderful. I was just going to say cost, cost isn't the only risk that people are taking. Um, so kind of being aware of that and then having your fallback position, I would call it kind of well settled. Like what are the additional things that I'm willing or not willing to do and kind of knowing how you're going to present those um, when they come up. Go ahead, Aaron. I love talking to you guys. Uh, tell me more and then we cut you off. I was just going to say, I really like how you kind of laid out having them be the voice of change, right? I think that a lot of sellers are, are really tempted to go in and, and be that voice for them and say, well, but you want this, right? And you want this and you want this. And the more you're trying to voice for them why they should change, they're going to back off and say, no, no, no. But getting them to be the ones saying, here's what I like about you. Here's why I want to change. Now they're more emotionally invested in it and they're going towards you instead of pushing away from you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, um, you you know, it's actually interesting because even though we have a seven step process, I always like stopping by the trade-ups and and going back to David, what you said before is, you know, most salespeople are trained to say yes to anybody. So yeah, you want that? Yes. Yeah. You want that? Yes. Not not really why. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Without getting its return. Right. Right. So uh, we're, we're kind of trained that way. And I, I actually, in, in my book, there's a line we call discounting is BS, belief systems. Um, so change your belief around discounting and you'll watch the positive results. And that gets back to both, it's a seven-step process, right? And it's the belief. So it's like that pole vault thing, like what size pole am I going to roll? What size pole am I going to use? Actually, pole vaulting, there's a couple of uh, equations. Like you want to jump on a bigger pole and it's a big spring. So, you know, do I want to bend a bigger spring? Do I want to hold high on a big spring? Uh, like, how do I want to do this? Right. Um, so there's a, a lot of a lot of choices, but you also have to combine that belief like, hey, I'm going to make this successful, not, you know, not fall backwards, which uh, which is always the bad position to be. And I, and if that I, makes sense. I, yeah. And I, and I know you, you didn't say it, but I'll, I'm just going to say it for the salespeople listening. If you negotiate, if you discount five uh, percent on every deal you sell, you miss club by five percent. So, I mean, it, it's probably better to not do that or have to sell five percent more like stick to your guns there. Come up with meaningful give to gets whether yes. it's implementation costs, decreases, extra training, you know, what have you. But I'd say negotiate everything but the cost of the product. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's, it, David, this is awesome. And by the way, uh, this is also in the book, so if people want to download it. Um, you know, you, if you give a 5% discount, let's just say you work a 40-hour week, um, at 5% discount, uh, you're going to have to work an extra 200 hours a year, roughly. Ouch, uh-huh. screw that. Who wants yeah. that? So it's really painful. <laughs> Give away anything but that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, that time you want to spend with your mom, dad, right. taking care of grandma, taking care of your kids, whatever it might be, vacation um, in the future, you know, post-COVID-19 world yeah. or, uh, you know, w- whatever it might be, you know, that's out the window. And and that the numbers only get worse when you consider, you know, salespeople working 50, 60, 70 hours per week. So what I say is when you negotiate, well, it's like getting a time machine and a money machine. And who wouldn't want that? Man, I, a great conversation. Um, so what, besides your book, any, any additional resources you'd recommend to folks or I, is, is, is closing time all that you need? 
it, it, seriously, if you're in business to business sales, it's all you and, need. And you need to negotiate. Trust me, it's all you need. Read the book. You tell me. You no, know I've read the no. book. I think it's all no, you no, need. No, 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 no. I was talking to you, David. I'm not going to read the book. Read the book. You've heard it. Yeah, read the book. Read the book and tell me. Yeah, no, not you, David. I know you read the book. But, uh, but you know, if anybody's listening, read the book, download it for free, give it to, you, give it to your team. Um, we, we've just haven't gotten, you know, some remarkable people have said just from, you know, everyone from Ray Lane. Uh, to uh, uh, to Dave Berman, who's uh, who's head of sales at, at President of Zoom, uh, to Jim Steele, who's the who's former chief sales officer at uh, at Salesforce. Uh, they've all read it and said, "Hey, this is really marvelous." And uh, you can you can check out. We have free videos on our website. Uh, we try and help uh, people become more effective as. Uh, business to business sales. And folks, I don't bring on bad guests. So I'm telling you right now, listen, listen, <laughs> listen to Ron. It will absolutely change your, change your life. Read his book. Um, and, and, Aaron, yes. and, and Joy, sorry. I think I was said only, only the best, only, best. only the best for David. Uh, <laughs> what, what is, <laughs> but I mean it though. Oh, what, wow. what is the website that people can go okay. to? Yeah, www.salesog as an optimization. Oh, you already did tell us that. I'm sorry. Sales. No, but I like saying it because it makes me feel good. Sales original <laughs> gangster. Now, now I feel good. Sales OG. Ron's on LinkedIn. Sales OG. <laughs> Very cool. Um, Ron, thank you so much for the time, man. It was it was really great getting a chance to chat. I think the audience will take a lot away from this. Um, uh, you're brilliant at what you do, so I, I really appreciate you sharing it with us. You, you guys are wonderful, and likewise, the feelings mutual. You guys are absolutely brilliant. So thanks, thanks for having me on as a guest. I'm really grateful. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it, folks. Oh, thank you. Read Ron's book. Listen to Ron. Hit him up if you want to get better at negotiation. Um, I'm telling you right now, uh, his book, his teachings have absolutely changed my life uh, for the better. Um, so check him out, um, Ron. Thanks again for being on the show. Thank you. 